And you've got a Bible, you might like to find Isaiah in your Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. But before we get to that, before we get to might do a quick review of last week. Hands up if you were with, uh, with us last week, here in worship last week. All right, so you guys will have heard that we're in, a, in the midst of a mini-series of, a, of, a, of a, a time where we are really encouraging our church family to to discover God's calling, to discover God's call uh, upon our lives. Last week we were in the wonderful 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's one of the famous chapters of the Bible that talks about the gifts of the Spirit, how God gives, gives each member of the body with a special gift mix to build up the body. We learned how 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7, our new Bible verse up on the wall here, tells us is really the, the essence of the chapter. In the NIV it actually says the Spirit has given each of us uh, a, a special manifestation of the Spirit. It says how uh, each of us has been given a special manifestation, a special gift mix to serve others, to build up the body, or for the, for the common good is how the NIV put it. We looked at how there's three parts of that verse that we need to get our minds around, that it's each of us, that everyone is gifted. Every member of the body of Christ, every person that has yielded their life, surrendered their life to Christ, is blessed with a certain mix of spiritual gifts. Nobody misses out. You are included. That's you. You are given a special place in the body. You have a special function, a special role to perform. Nobody misses out. So each of us is given a special manifestation or a special way uh, by the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit dwells in us and, and gives us a special mix of gifts to manifest, or that is to, to make real or to live out, to, to, to embody, to not just sort of hide them away, but to show them, to live them out in order that the common good might be blessed, that others might be blessed. It's not about ourselves. We're not blessed with special abilities and gifts simply to bring glory to ourselves, but we're called to use them to bless the body of Christ, to build up the body of Christ. Each of us has been given a special way of serving others. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, chapter 12, verse 7. We also heard how there's been two sort of ways in which the body gets distorted, two sicknesses that creeps into the body when it comes to the use of spiritual gifts, two, two untruths, two distortions that the enemy sows in order to make the body unhealthy and, and, and ineffective. We learned how the first one is, well, oh, I'm not needed. They don't need me. Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where you heard him say, the, the foot can't say to the hand, oh, I'm not as flash as the hand, I'm not as articulate, I can't do as many things, so therefore I'm not needed. That would be foolish. Where would the body be without its feet? It's that first distortion of people thinking, oh, I don't, I'm not needed, I'm not wanted. If, if I wasn't here, no one would, would really notice it's a, it's a common frustration and it's, it's a common ailment of the body. Please don't think that. Please don't think that you're not needed. You are needed. There is a, a U-shaped hole here at church in the marketplace. If this is your spiritual home, we need you here. Even just your presence on a Sunday morning blesses us. 
I know many of you watching from home can't be here. If you're watching from another country, it's hard for you to get here to Bondi Junction. I realize that, but can I encourage you to find a church home where you're at, where you can bless and serve. And if you are living nearby here in Sydney, we, we, we need you here on a Sunday. We miss you when you're not here. It's great to have a, 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 a body that is full and vibrant and dynamic. And apart from just your mere presence, you God will use you to sow a word of encouragement for your brothers and sisters in Christ when we gather here on a Sunday morning. That's the first ailment of the body when it comes to spiritual gifts. Oh, my gifts aren't needed. I'm not really needed here. The second one is I don't need you. Again, Paul addresses this. He says, one, you know, the eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. I've got this covered, thanks. It's another big area for... That, that ministers in particular need to be aware of just doing everything themselves. When ministers do everything in a church, you know that that is an unhealthy church. No minister is gifted to do it all. We are one body made up of many parts, each part necessary, each one vital. Like pulling a brick out of that wall over there, there'd be a hole in the wall and the wall would be structurally weakened as a result. We need every part of the body to do their job. So that is, uh, that is what we talked about last week, that we're all members of the body of Christ, each with our own role to play, each uniquely gifted to love and to serve. We actually had a couple of slides about a couple of uh, fun. It was one guy was blessed with the gift of uh, potluck consumption. Do you, remember, uh, do you remember that one? Guys, do you have that one? No? Consuming every potluck dinner that there's ever been in church. <laughs> sometimes there's another picture of a bloke uh, running the kids club and he wasn't gifted for the role he found he was willing to serve but in a way that he wasn't gifted for it's just exhausting and, and frustrating and when, when you're not using it other people have to carry have to carry your burden and, 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 and fill it in ways that we're not gifted in so that's what we're talking about today but today we're going to drill down we're actually going to get practical Today, we're going to get practical in, in just a moment and consider, well, where where's God want me to serve? Where is God calling me to serve? I'm going to share with you just a couple of quick examples as inspiration. I'm going to talk to you about uh, the great Dietrich Bonhoeffer, about the prophet Isaiah, and then I want to share with you a little bit about my own personal call, share a little bit of my story about how I came to be a, one of these strange creatures we call ordained ministers of the word. <laughs> we are indeed strange creatures. Church, finding your place is finding your calling in life, finding your, your reason for being is always lurking just beneath the surface. The trouble is in our modern life, in our modern Western way of life, we have so many distractions. One of the great uh, descriptions of modern life is actually called the great distraction of I reckon that's a great description of where we are at as a society today, the great distraction. Looking just beneath the surface is our need for meaning and for purpose. I know that our life really matters and counts for something. If I'm not here, would anyone notice? And, and what's, what am I going to leave behind? And, and does it really matter? I mean, is, is, does anything that I do really matter? Trouble is we, we, we push it down. We get distracted with all the other stuff of life, don't we, with our toys and our gadgets and our careers, and our cars, and our houses, and our holidays, and our boats, and our hobbies, whatever it is for you, we sort of just distract ourselves with any manner of distractions, and we, we fail to really ask those deep 
questions of, our, of ourselves. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, many of you will know, I've talked about him before. One of my spiritual heroes was a pastor in Nazi Germany. He was famous for resisting the Nazis in, in Germany during the 1930s and into the war in the 1940s. Bonhoeffer was actually uh, part of a couple of plots to assassinate Hitler. It was discovered and he was in prison and basically put on death row. He wrote a letter from prison to a couple of his very close friends, a married couple who'd had a child and were getting the child baptised. And he wrote from prison, expressing his dismay, his sadness, and not being able to be present for the baptism. He wrote, you know that I shall be with you in spirit. It's very painful to me to be sure that the improbable has happened and that I will not be able to celebrate this day with you. But I've been quite reconciled to it myself. I believe that nothing that happens to me is meaningless and that it is good for us or that, we should, that it should be so, even if what happens to us runs counter to our own wishes. I, as I see it, listen to this, I'm here for some purpose and I can only hope that I might fulfil it. Remember, he's in jail. He's waiting for his execution. I'm here for some purpose, and I only hope that I might fulfill it. In the light of this great purpose, all our privations and disappointments are trivial. How's that? Some 11 months later, he was indeed martyred for his faith. In the closing days of the Second World War, as the German army was in full retreat, as the, the Allied forces marched through Europe, Hitler sent out the order to assassinate these political prisoners and and Bonhoeffer was assassinated at Flossenburg prison camp in the closing days of the Second World War. But his words will never be forgotten. I'm here for some purpose, and I only hope that I might fulfil it. In light of the great purpose, all our privations, all of our struggles, all of our disappointments are trivial. Can you say that? I've got good news for you this morning. You're not in prison. You're not on death row. Think of the liberty that you have. Bonhoeffer in prison, under threat of his life, waiting for his execution, was able to say, I'm here for some purpose. God's got me here for some purpose, and I only hope to fulfill it. Could... Yes, mate? Yeah, that's a really good question, one they've struggled with down through there. The question is, uh, in, in Bonhoeffer's case, he was part of a plot to assassinate Hitler. So really big ethical dilemma, and I'm sure many people are asking that same question today of tyrannical regimes around the world. Bonhoeffer really struggled with it, really struggled with it. Um, one of you has got my Bonhoeffer biography. You can read about it, struggled with it, about committing murder, about taking a human life. He, he came to the point where he was actually going to be part of this assassination plot that ultimately failed in order to end the war. It only didn't happen because a bomb failed to go off and it was plain. By the way, um, he knew that he would be killing innocent people. The pilots and his staff would all be killed as well. The bomb failed to go off, but um, you yeah, weren't them but the pilots, of course. So these are this part of the struggles that we have. Listen to this. Uh, Frederick Beekner is a Christian author, and he writes, Our lives are full of voices calling us this way and that way. The world is full of people who seem to have listened to the wrong voice and who are now engaged in a life's work in which they find no pleasure or purpose, and who run the risk of suddenly realising someday that they've spent the only years that they are ever going to get in this world doing something, listen to this, doing something 
that could not matter less to themselves or to anyone else. What a terrible fate. I see it all the time. People running about busying themselves with stuff that makes no eternal difference. Really just living for themselves, not sowing into the lives of anyone else, just living for themselves. It's a tragedy. It's a wasted life. It's a terrible fate to befall a person. The prophet Isaiah knew this. Let's have a, have a look at uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Have we got that up on screen, guys? It should be one of the slides with Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. So this is uh, some 700 years before the time of Christ. So Isaiah was a prophet, meaning one who spoke on God's behalf. He was living some 740 years before the time of Christ, in the time when Israel had been divided into two kingdoms, the lower, the, the southern kingdom, known as Judah, the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, where Jerusalem was, and the northern ten uh, tribes, known collectively as, uh, as Israel. Have we got that Bible reading, guys? Uh, so uh, if you want to open up your Bibles and have a look at uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verses uh, 1 through to 8, this is Isaiah's call. This is how he experienced God's call. It's pretty spectacular. Yours might not be similar. Mine certainly wasn't. But here's one example of someone hearing God's call and saying yes to God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. How many wings? With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, for I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, one of the seraphim, a mighty winged angelic creature, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, what did he say? Here I am. Send me. Amen. Amen. This is a difficult time. King Uzziah was a good king. Reigned for about 50 years. He's dead. The Assyrians are coming. The world power about to invade time of great turmoil, and Isaiah has this vision of the throne room of God. It's bizarre, winged creatures are flying, they're praising God, their voices are shaking the foundations of the temple. He realizes that he's in deep trouble. Isaiah is just a man, a sinful man, a man of unclean lips like you or I, and he realizes the overwhelming majesty and holiness of God is he cannot stand to be in God's presence. He says, woe to me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm not up to this. I'm a, I'm a man of unclean people. But God in his glory, the God whose voice shakes and thunders, took mercy, took pity, had grace on this man. Has one of his mighty winged angels come and touch his lips with a hot coal. It's a symbol of cleansing, of purifying. 
God in his gracious has atoned for Isaiah's sin and made him worthy to, to serve, worthy to speak on his own behalf. It's an act of incredible graciousness. And then God puts the call out. I need one to go and to speak to my people, to call them back to repentance, call them back to me. Who shall we send? And Isaiah wonderfully, famously says, here I am. I will go. It wasn't an easy call. If you read on in chapter 6, you'll see that God's people hardened their hearts. It was tough being a prophet. Taking your life in your hands, speaking truth to power in those days. Quite often the king didn't like what the prophets had to say. Sure enough, the Assyrians will come down shortly and take the northern ten tribes into captivity, never to be seen again. In the fullness of time, even the southern kingdom, the Babylonians will rise up and take them captive as well because they fail to hear the words of, of the prophet. Your call might not be as spectacular as that. Mine certainly wasn't. Mine was very ordinary. God spoke to me through the words of faithful saints that I knew in my church. When I was growing up, I never thought I could be a minister. They didn't make enough money, you see. <laughs> I thought I was destined to own a Ferrari. I love Ferraris. One day, maybe. And uh, the Ferraris, I got and at motor show. I knew all my Ferrari models, and Dad took me to a motor show one day, and I knew there was a 308 GTS, just like Magnum drove, but I didn't mention Magnum. I was able to quote, oh, look, Dad, it's a 308 GTS, S for Spider, the coupe. The bloke on the Ferrari store was so impressed with this little kid who knew what model it was, said, come and take a seat in the Ferrari. Ever since I thought I was destined to own a Ferrari, well, God had other ideas. <laughs> Yeah, had some humbling to do in me. Uh, and in the fullness of time, I felt God's call to enter full-time ministry simply by watching and observing and thinking, well, I, maybe I, I could do that. In fact, I could maybe do it better than what I, I see it done in some other places. And so, again, God had, had to sort of humble me and call me. And, and then faithful men and women in my church growing up, and then we, we moved out to Wellington near Dublin. I remember very clearly one of the faithful Elders of that church said, Peter, the, the bank no longer needs your services. I, I think your gifts are such that you need to think about entering full-time ministry. He had no idea that Carly and I had been considering this, even since our, our pre-marriage counselling. Our minister at the time, uh, Stephen Robinson, a great manly, godly man to this day, said to, said to me, Peter, in our pre, this is our pre-marriage counselling, said, Steve, I, I feel that I'm being called into full-time ministry. And Carly was on board uh, our minister said, Peter, whatever you do, if there's anything else you can do that's going to make you happy, go do that. He tried to talk us out of it. It was good advice. That's what we did. We spent the next few years just exploring God's call, testing God's call, and eventually we heard God's call into the ministry through wise counsel of trusted, faithful saints, many of whom are with us here uh, this morning in your own context, I'm sure. That's how God speaks to me. How about you? Might be through the words of a song. Might be out on a bushwalk in creation. Might be here at worship on a Sunday. However it is, can I encourage you to lean in to God's call in your life and to say, here I am. Use me. I surrender to you, Lord. I, I give my life to you. I'm not living for myself. I'm going to live for you. I'm wanting to use what you've given me, Lord, not for my own glory, but for yours. 
And I encourage you this day, in just a moment, I'm going to hand over to Carly. She's going to lead us through a bit of a section. I'm going to be spending some time just trying to hear God's call on your life. I'm just going to ask us to bow our heads in prayer for just a moment before we get stuck into some practical work this morning. Let's pray. Loving Lord, we say thank you for the heroes of the faith of old that have heard your call to go even into those difficult places. Difficult callings, life-threatening callings. Thank you for those elders in the faith, our brothers and sisters in Christ who know us, who love us, who are brave enough to speak words of truth into our lives. Help us to hear your call this morning. Speak to us, we pray. May we hear your call and may we each be prepared to say, here I am, send me. All the people said, amen. Morning, everyone. Um, Peter just asked me to to share in this time now, where we get to spend a little bit of time with one another. Uh, for me, that's the most exciting thing to be able to do at church. I love being able to sit and talk to my brothers and sisters. I love being able to sit around a table. But I know for some of you, that's not your favourite place to be. <laughs> So please do what you feel comfortable in the next little while. If you don't feel like sharing with one another, that's totally fine. If you want to move to somebody that you know and trust, please also do that as well. But we really wanted to have a time now where we're just thinking and praying as a church family about the the gifts that God has given you. And for Peter and I and our family, we've been here nearly three years now, which is amazing. And we've just watched in those three years how so many people at CMP use the gifts that God has given them. We personally have been blessed, our church family, with with meals on our doorstep. The day we arrived, James turned up at our door with five bags of food because he knew we had four teenagers. And uh, that was such a blessing. We've been blessed with with lots of leftover foods from Peter's people's parties and we're very grateful for that for our teenagers. But we've also seen so many little ways, not, not for us, for other people's benefit. People who just do what seems small but is so important. Little ways of driving someone somewhere. Little ways of just sitting down and listening to somebody. Little ways of turning up early and turning on the lights or the air conditioning. Amazing ways of using musical skills, which is is not my forte at all, and I'm very inspired by people who do that. People who put up tables and put down tables. People who just give someone a call during the week to note it because they noticed they weren't here at church. There's so many ways, and we want to encourage you, that you are using already the gifts that God has given you to bless one another. And that brings us closer because we really need one another. So we're going to have a few moments just to discuss at your table uh, about what sort of a person you are. There's lots of different ways uh, that you can analyse your personality. I'm sure you've done a few of those. Peter and I have chose one that's called the five wirings. If we can have that slide up, please, James. The five wirings. And we like this one because it sort of talked about uh, different ways that... Um, we can all serve in just some nice language that I understand because sometimes they get a bit hard to understand. So, wait for those. No, not happening? 
That's all right. We've actually got them on those sheets, but slightly different. So maybe grab a sheet. Again, if you're a visitor today, this is a little bit different to how we normally do church, but you're very welcome just to sit and have a little think about your own gifts. Don't fill anything out yet because your brothers and sisters in Christ are going to help you. <laughs> Get some glasses, brother. <laughs> so the first one is a creative type of wiring. So this might be somebody who we already have seen this morning who's blessed with music, singing abilities, dancing, drama, art and craft. These people really inspire me. And, and yesterday in our household we decided to get our creative side on and we made this sign over here which we stuck up. Now, put up your hand and guess, do you think it was... I was using my creative gifts or do you think it was Pete's gifts that we were using at that time? We don't want to laugh at anybody's gifts but let me tell you, Peter got through about the third word and he huffed and puffed and he said he was sick of trying to cut out those black lines. So please make sure you encourage Peter in his creative giftings after the service. Um, but these creative people really inspire me particularly the ones who serve in our music team because sometimes they sacrifice sitting with their family during church. Sometimes they sacrifice by coming earlier in the morning and that's a real blessing to all of us. So thank you to those people. Spares. Is there spare sheets? I've given them out to those tables. You might need to copy some more. Uh, the second one is the connection builders, the networkers, the relationship builders. These people really hold our church together. They really like to catch up on people who haven't made it to church or they remember when someone's had a hard week and they catch up with them or give them a call. They're really important, those connection builders. Maybe that's you. Maybe you have a good memory when people share something with you to the following week going and finding out how that person is or how that situation is. Maybe you're a connection builder. Maybe you're a task lover. These are often behind the scenes people. They're practical people and they're organised. They like to get stuff done. We really need these people. And certainly our service here on a Sunday doesn't just happen by someone clicking their fingers. There's lots of task lovers who help to get this done. Maybe you're one who organises a Bible study during the week. Or maybe you're organising our Thanksgiving dinner. Maybe you're a task lover that enjoys organising. We really need those people. Maybe you're a tech head. And this is not me at all. Uh, this week in my classroom in Year 2, we, we uh, invited the SES to come along to film a short movie uh, about education for kids. So I primed my 25 little year two children, about seven or eight-year-olds, that we were having some guests and in walked ten uh, men and women in SES uniform. But the SES uniform, if they're paid, is actually the blue pants and the blue top. So who do you think they all look like? Police, yes. So our... Hang on a moment. So our... 
My students were a little bit nervous about 10 police walking into our classroom. Anyway, they were very lovely and they set us at ease and they wanted to use the screen in my room. So I started to do my tech head thing and, of course, it didn't work. And we had um, the minister there and we had, we're having it again this week again and the commissioner is coming this time. And I'm a little bit nervous about the tech head side of it because it's not my thing at all. Anyway, they helped me. I just turned it on and turned it off and turned it on and turned it off. It still didn't work. But it's not my gift at all. And as a teacher, I've had to get used to technology in the classroom. Uh, and it's been something that I've had to really learn. But I'm really blessed by people, particularly James and Way up there, who are tech heads. And they're amazing. So we thank you for your skills. That might be you. And the last one is friendly faces. Do you enjoy just welcoming people? Do you enjoy, enjoy walking up to someone with a smile and making them feel welcome? Do you enjoy being helpful just because it blesses other people? That might be you as well. So some of these might stand out to you more than others. We're just going to have a little bit of time now where you can discuss it at your table. Maybe if you know someone at your table, you could encourage them in one of these. You might say, I've noticed this about you. This is a time to encourage one another. Just going to have five minutes where you chat with one another. Please eat the food on the table. We do need to share with our brothers and sisters back there that didn't get any food, so we'll do that. And then in a few moments, we'll come back together and pray. But I'm just going to pray with you before you start to chat. Lord, may our conversation at our tables now be blessed and may it be a blessing to you. May we speak words of love and may you show us how best we can share Jesus together. Amen. So have a little chat. We'll have a little pray in a moment and then you can fill out your forms. Does anyone not have a form or a pencil or need help?
All right, if you would like to, or have a, if you haven't already, fill out your little form. We are going to collect them. If you don't want to fill it out or put your name on it, that is fine. But it is a little bit hard for us to then put people into groups or ask them to help out if we don't know your name or your phone or your email. So we'd love you to give you that. It's not so that we can send you a million emails. It's just so that we can help you use your gifts here at church. So a couple of minutes to fill out your form and then our worship team will come back up to sing another song.